Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the eastern border. We're back to the, well, good old boring news once again. Well, what do you mean boring? Well, um, there have been advances on the front lines. There have been events happening. It's been of a bit of a mess. They uh, didn't keep the counter-terrorist operation kind of situation in, in Moscow. It's been toned down. But uh, many other things have been happening. What we found out is that apparently West had had asked Ukraine not to attack Russia and Russian territory, while the sort of coup, which still is a bizarro limbo situation, but what can I know? I can only make, you know, predictions and statements from from reasonable data, but when suddenly Lukashenko ex machina comes out, that's all weird. Then again, well, we also have reports that Lukashenko, obviously, because he's not a peacemaker by any means, had just plopped out out of nowhere and been, you know, Brigozhin wanted to include him in the conversations and everything. So something might have been going on there. But there's so much conspirology there that it's uh, getting more and more insane. The trick here is that no one actually knows what's happening. I'm not going to even try to predict. I just want to observe. All I know is that currently in the front lines we have seen major breakthroughs by the Ukrainian army in the Bakhmut direction, Bakhmut and Solidar, and that everyone on the Z side, well, everyone's kind of shocked. Because on 25th of June, well, my best friend Girkin, you know, the guy that I like so much, I literally stole his intellectual property and trademarked it for myself, yeah, he held a, um, a meeting of his Congress of... Um, these angry patriots. That ended up being weird. And now today, what we've seen is that apparently in Gosduma, they held a standing ovation with applause and everything for both Putin and Lukashenko for everything that they've done for the advancement of Russia and their position and their glorious great achievements of this war. And it's getting kind of crazy and by the hour it's just insane. In my Discord, someone uh, shared an, ar an article with Medusa from me, I double-checked it, but, um, well, in one of them today, it is stated that, quote, Medusa's sources believe that Prigozhin probably realized that he'd gone too far and prospects for his column to continue to advance were dim. At that point, his fighters were already approaching the Oka River, where the Russian army and the National Guard had set up their first line of defense. Despite the Prigozhin's claims that half the army was ready to join him, Wagner received no additional support from soldiers in the first hours of the uprising. And all this, all this nonsense over there. That's the thing. Basically, there are also claims that Russian ambassador to Belarus took lead role, and and that another source basically claims that Prigozhin insisted that negotiations include top officials, and given that they that he knows Lukashenko, that was all there. It's a bit of a mess. Currently, currently, basically, something just plopped in there. Apparently, Prigozhin needed a trusted third party to exit and save face. That's where Lukashenko came in. He enjoys publicity. That's why he, he agreed. And this clearly benefits Lukashenko, because he's just come out of nowhere, but it doesn't benefit Putin. The thing that I don't get about all the situation is how, the, how does any of this actually benefit Putin at all? Well, besides the fact that he's like losing in all fronts, and that uh, everyone now knows, and is basically stated everywhere, that... Um, He's not a cornered rat, he's just a rat. He will run away and offer things, you know, as, as they are needed to save his own skin. 
We live in a truly complex situation, and uh, by the way, this is one of the reasons why I'm not going to go back to my report and say anything there until I have some solid evidence that we have finally buried this whole Prigozhin case. It cost me a lot of nerves and a lot of effort and to just go out there and be yelled at by someone who's supposedly a Russian expert. Oh no, I honestly kind of don't need that in my life. But about all this subject matter, the thing is, yeah, no one believes that Russia is as strong and powerful as they used to be. And one thing that I mentioned in my Prigozhin crisis episode about all this mess was how nuclear attacks were being formed. And at this point, it seems that Kremlin's trying to backpedal this stuff through Z, Z channels. They told the propaganda to be openly hostile and, and arrogant on that uh, very special news episode. But currently, we're, we're in a situation where all the Z propagandists are coming out. And they're criticizing this whole position, stating that, what are you doing, you know, these guys might be devil worshippers who wear women's, women's pantyhose or whatever in the West, but they're not as insane as our guys, and that, you know, threatening the world to turn everything into a radioactive dump, dumpster fire is kind of a, not the way to go, so to speak. I wonder what they'll say when um, the, some more major breakthroughs are being exploded by the, by the Ukrainian military, since, again, the very fact the front line did not move in these two days quite a lot, and now suddenly we have, like, rocket attacks at Ukrainian territories. As far as I understand, this was a gesture by Kremlin's authorities to make sure that, you know, Ukraine leaves them alone. Or, again, conspiracy theories speak that this might be a gesture for Ukraine to leave Wagner Group alone, but who knows? Uh, it's been a mess. And I've been talking about this for, like, five minutes straight about how everything's a mess. But first of all, I, I have a document that I want to read to you. And I want to calm everyone down by stating that, no, the theory that Wagner Group might attack from Belarus, yeah, that's, that ain't happening. Because apparently Putin, in today's non-speech, and whether or not that even was recorded today, is a, well, th that's in doubt. Because, frankly speaking, it looked staged, it looked canned, and it's not about the beginning phrase today i'm going to talk to you again he actually what he meant was today i'm going to talk to you again about the subject the focus was the fact that he's spoken about this before and not today but everything else was like totally a canned speech but you know there are a lot of conspiracy theories about how there's going to be an attack from from belarus into Russia, into ukrainian territory and that's not going to happen apparently very few wagner group troops agreed to sign contracts with um according to Shaigu, nonetheless, agreed to have signed contracts with the Ministry of Defense, and also very few of them actually want to go to Belarus. Most of them will just return home. So, in Belarus, basically, Prigozhin's Praetorians, his personal guard, will stay. Not much else. It's not going to be a large group, like, approximately, I don't know, thousand people at best. And where they're going to get funding and ammunition and all this stuff is also not, not known, since we know that, basically, Prigozhin's going to lose his main source of income. Sure, she has, he has a billion dollars, over a billion dollars of net worth. However, that also doesn't guarantee that he has the capability or that, you know, we don't have guarantees for everything. About the situation where uh, the sentence and, and kind of the accusations of Prigozhin are being, you know, cancelled and then not cancelled. And it's, it, again, it's a whole mess. Because on the one hand, they want to make it look very legit. They're going to try their best. However, at the same time, you have to remember that it's a, it's a process because... As much as we know what a dictator Putin is, we, we can, assure, I can assure you that Russia is at least trying to pretend to work by some civilized nation's laws. 
So these guys in the prosecutor's office who started this criminal uh, process, they're going to have to figure out a way how to sign this all off on paper. Because the president promised something in a peace deal, which actually Lukashenko promised, and now we have to approve of this stuff. Y- yeah, what, what, what the hell is going to go there? I, I don't know. It's, it's even more of a mess. Another thing is that Surovikin and other generals were absent in the event that happened with the, all the awards and everything with, with Putin. That, that's all a bit of a chaos. So, one thing that is known for sure is that all of this is chaos. That is why Ukraine is actually making more successes on the front lines. And no one really knows what to do. The command at the highest level, despite what Shoigu would like to say, yeah, no one trusts them. Igor Girkin, by the way, posted another message from people on the front lines, and, well, when he posts those things, I do believe him. It's not policy matters, and it's not politics, but when, when like, Girkin talks about people on the front lines, well, he's been there, I know, and he has contacts on the Russian side, so there I can trust him. And what he came up with is um, another thing that I would like to, like to read to you, and then I'll read another longer document of Girkin, because... Oh boy, he also posted the political manifesto of his bizarro group of uh, angry losers. Because he receives messages from, from the front regularly. And the first thing is that, well, apparently everyone on the front lines, the officers and everyone on the Russian side, hate Shoigu and Prigozhin and with, every, with terrible passion on both sides. And they say that technically Prigozhin was totally right in all of his criticism towards Putin. However... Yeah, they're also not happy that this happened at the right moment. These volunteers and everyone who was like super pro, pro-war and pro-aggression and all this stuff. And it's all bizarre because, you know, they hate Prigozhin for doing this at this moment while, while giving Ukraine chances to attack and everything. And at the same time, they're like, yeah, well, these guys suck. This is the weirdest part when I notice the fact that they want to build this bright new Russia. Meanwhile, you know, destroying Ukraine... And I'll get to this, why they want to destroy Ukraine, because we are gonna we have this political resolution of, of this organization. But at the same time, to put this in context, because this is going to be interesting food for thought, is a letter also sent to Girkin, and I have no doubts about authenticity of this, because, well, it shows some interesting things, and it goes like this. And if you are on the Discord, you probably read this already, but I just thought this was important to include in the material. Quote, and this wasn't sent to Girkin himself, this was sent to one of his buddies, and then good can add this, and you'll understand why I trust the veracity of this. Quote, Vladislav, hi. Now we, fighters of the 31st Airborne Assault Brigade volunteers, are being retained in Omsk. It was a soldier's need that compelled us to write. Despite of all assurances of higher command and others of the president, we are still not being paid. Many of us got nothing in the last two months. And combat pay was still not paid to anyone, even though officially it was guaranteed to be a, a minimum 204,000 for an enlisted man. And all this despite the fact that we have already been fighting on the front line and now on the airborne troop level in the 31st Airborne Assault Brigade. They promised to transfer the payments on the 1st on June the 6th, then they said by the June 20th everything would be closed, but we are, have not received anything. We heard that they now will tra- might transfer the money by July the 10th, but by that time we'll all be back on the front line and there is no one who will know if the money f- fell into our accounts or not because there's no communication and there are no ATMs there as well. In short, they are messing with everyone's head. The guys are embittered. I repeat, many of them have not received anything for two months. Well, you can't do this to us. In general, deception by the Ministry of Defense is just the order of the day. I volunteered. I went to the enlistment office myself. I was met there and patted on the shoulder and told, you signed a contract and immediately receive 195,000 rubles as a lump sum, supported from the Ministry of Defense. 
But after I signed when I went through all the commissions in the last room at the assembly point in Moscow, I was told, with a smile, that I would not get this money because my contract was for 11 months, and to get it, I need the contract for more than a year. I was indignant. Why was I not told right away? I'm ready to sign for two years. But with the same smile, they told me that I was over 50 years old and that the law says that such volunteers must sign only a short contract for up to a year. Now you may go, soldier, and be free. Forget about the money. I asked why the enlistment office did not tell me that, but they just shrugged their soldiers. shoulders. The enlistment office had a recruitment plan. Why would they tell the truth? Just like in the movie, DVB. Ciao, Pinocchios. My name is Sebastian Pereira, the ebony merchant. Later, when I asked other Muscovite guys my age, they also told me that in military registration and enlistment offices, they lured them in with such a, such a payment, and in Yablochkov, after signing the contract, they just put them before the fact. In short, they have been screwing over everyone from the very beginning. But that's not all. Even those 80% of the, of the guys who were in contracts for more than a year, they haven't gotten their payout. Case in point, my teammate has two-year contract and still hasn't gotten the starter pay. Not only he hasn't received the paycheck, he also hasn't received his combat money. And we talked to the guys from other units as well. There's the same thing going on there. In my opinion, the Ministry of Defense has completely lost its, uh, lost its sense, not to mention its conscience. Usually things like this end badly. The guys, to put it mildly, are not happy and many are ready to write reports. Everyone is worried about their families. There's a riot brewing here, I'm watching everything and I don't like it very much. In the meantime, after receiving orders to go back to the Special Operations Zone, two soldiers from our company just sent everyone to hell and just went home. Now think about this. Do you think uh, that the guys after Prigozhin's school won't decide to do the same thing or that this, you know, smuta or angering on the front lines is not going to receive some uh, more encouragement in this situation? What I don't get the most, however, so why do they keep fighting for this government that doesn't pay them, that, that screws everything up? And I've seen so many videos, like even Maxim Kalashnikov, Girkin's friend, you know, he goes to the front lines, right? And, and he's like in shock, in shock about how Russia treats these liberated territories, how, how people have nothing to eat. And today, Denis Kazatsky, a guy who kind of publishes a lot of videos about this whole situation, he just published a video how in... Um, in one of these Krasny Liman or something, one of these cities where there used to be 400,000 people living in it, now there's only 30,000 people living in it, and they're literally starving in these occupied territories, right? And how they're being, like, mocked. I mean, they've gotten, like, a single truck with potatoes arrived to them. And it was, like, a couple of tons, and it was out. It was out in less than an hour. And then people came, and they were, like, you know, there was nothing to feed them for. There's no work in the city, and these guys are staying just because they have nowhere to go. And then there are people living in literal basements down in Ukraine, in the bombarded territories, because they also just have nowhere to go. They've been, been turned into these, you know, people without, without shelter, without home. And th these are pro-war guys telling all this situation, being in shock about everything. I think, I think that's the thing we, we should learn from Prigozhin's coup. The fact that, you know, there, there's a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of hatred towards the government and this army with armed men. Now, let's not forget that no matter what happens with Wagner Group, there's also going to be prisoners and organized crime that Prigozhin has armed. That thing is not going to go anywhere. I mean, Ministry of Defense of Russian Federation is now accepting all these troops there. But at the same time, well, weirdly enough, Girkin, Girkin and his guys in the 25th, they did their own little thing. And they made a political resolution of this Vichy Pabedy, or the conference that they held. It's, um... Not that big, but, you know, with this information, with everything that's happened, with, with all this mess that's going on and everything, 
you'd, you'd presume that they'd make some realistic situations and that they wouldn't would you know stop and under, and think about three seconds how they um how they you know should probably improve their own country instead of doing some stupid violent turnaround everything but no 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 comrades we're looking at insane madmen totally insane madmen who just don't care about everything at all so i'm gonna be a bit snarky here is because i kind of have to to process all of this in my mind and not go insane so let's go through this and point by point and i'll i'll just uh give you some comments when i find myself shocked in this whole resolution so the club of angry patriots represents the interests of patriotically minded russian society which is being born in the crucible of the new patriotic war already amazing isn't it in our activities we are guided by two fundamental principles the national interests of the russian people and other indigenous peoples of russia as well as the interests of the russian world within its historical boundaries Indigenous peoples of Russia within its historical boundaries would probably mean everyone in the Baltics and half of Poland as well. Not even talking about Kazakhstan and Mongolia, but that's just an addition from me. And also they like the ideals of social justice. Uh, to my left-leaning American listeners, that's not the social justice you guys like. They still hate everyone who's not that. And they claim to have representing these interests of other indigenous peoples of Russia. But then again, I have a question. I don't kind of think that these people consider themselves to be indigenous peoples of Russia. But you know what? They're neo-fascists. I mean, I, uh, well, you know who they are, basically. And now, well, uh, let's carry on, because this is going to be a long, long episode if I continue snarking at everything. We are ready, we are ready to cooperate with all those who wish Russia victory and prosperity. Club of Angry Patriots was created at a crucial moment when the course of events set in Russia uh, set Russia an extremely difficult but unavoidable historical task. The complete annihilation of the Western geopolitical project of Ukraine. For more than 100 years, this artificial entity has been parasit parasitizing our lands, poisoning the minds of tens of millions of Russian people, turning them into aggressive Russophobes. The result of this has been the transformation of the southwestern Russian lands into a source of constant wars, strife, national and religious hatred. Point 4. We can clearly realize that Ukraine will never be pro-Russian, neutral or peace-loving. It can only be aggressively Russophobic and misanthropic in its essence. By preserving Ukraine in any form, we create a permanent source of threat to the strategic security of the country, to the people and to future generations. Number 5. Demilitarization, denazification, and even the inclusion of some regions into the Russian Federation, announced by the authorities of the RF, do not solve the main strategic task. Gathering of the Russian lands, reunification of the triune Russian people, divided by the political storms of the 20th century, and ensuring the security of the state. This problem will be solved only in one case. The Russian flag must be raised in the mother of Russian cities, Kiev, and no other way. Point 6. Having failed in the campaign of 2022 and switching to strategic defense, Russian military and political leadership has tried in vain for a year and a half to get out of the war by means of peace talks, goodwill steps and grain deals that betray the country, betray the state and the army. This way, it only demonstrates to the enemy its weakness, lack of understanding of the global agenda, inability and unwillingness to influence the current geopolitical processes, readiness to play by someone else's rules. This is why enemy repeatedly rejects every proposal from Moscow. At the same time, there are those in power and, big bi uh, power and in big business in Russia, whose assets, capital and political loyalties are in the West. They continue to sabotage and express their readiness to directly collude with the enemy at the expense of another collapse of Russia on the scenario February 1917 or December 1991. 
And as long as the Russian military and political leadership retains these cadres, we can hope neither for the preservation of the country, nor for the victory in the war. Number 8. The pol personal policy in the Russian Federation Armed Forces should be radically changed. 1. The generals who have made disastrous miscalculations during the special military operation and the armed mutiny of June 23-24 and who enjoy an equivocally negative reputation in the army should be retired. 2. It is necessary to promote competent fighters and commanders in every possible way, to give away to innovative ideas. Wartime calls for tough and swift decisions. I would like to add comrades here, but uh, they are actually, well, monarchists who want to restore Russian Empire, so I rather won't. It's fun. The text is funny as it sounds, by the way. Number nine. The consequence of the above problems is that angry patriots, <laughs> I love how this sounds, and civil society have actually taken over many of the functions of the state. Above all, in indirectly supplying, training, and re-equipping the fighting units of the Russian army. Now I wonder how guys who can't afford a dentist in a car have taken this over, but you know, it is what it is. Point ten. To better coordinate this, this work, we are forming a um, volunteer committee of the Club of Angry Patriots. Its task is to supply the heroic soldiers fighting at the front. I'm, I'm not even kidding here, this is a direct quote. Residents of the returned regions also need our support. Today these people are living in a humanitarian disaster. Number, number 11. In the existing conditions, the Club of Angry Patriots will strive by all legal means to change the strategic vector which the government of the Russian Federation is using to lead the country. Well, good luck to them, I suppose. That's not going to happen. We all know that. We must put an end to the policy of appeasement and behind-the-scenes agreements with the Western aggressor by betraying national interests. Oh, no. Western aggressors are those who kind of talk to us. It's just funny. I mean, who has ever in Russia done these deals? Oh, well. You know... Fuck it, I'll, I'll end this in the end. We need a military defeat and liquidation of Ukraine as a Russophobic fascist state formation, a terrorist state, and if Russia wants to win this war, this goal must be achieved. Well, that's a great, great thing to put for, you know, socially liberal, uh, totally not fascist organization that's totally, absolutely anti-fascist, 100% guys, right? Who are not getting paid and whose own army is in disarray and where, like, Prigozhin states things, but, you know, whatever. Point 12. As part of the implementation of this strategy, it must be clearly announced at the highest level that there will be no more negotiations with the Ukrainian Nazis. Of course, of course they can do that. Who will do this? Putin? Whom you all consider to be dumb? You? Who, who can't even afford it? Oh, man. I'm sorry, I, I, I can't keep snarking. This is just too ridiculous. Point 13. At the same time, there is no doubt that after February 24th, 2022, Russia will never be the same again, nor can it ever be. The failures of the first year of the war showed very clearly that the old political and economic system, which had been built over the last 30 years, came to its logical end. Its further preservation, along with the preservation of the, de of the detrimental for the country's socio-economic course, will lead Russia to an inevitable defeat in the war with Banderas Ukraine and in confrontation with NATO. Point 14. This is really good for us, guys. I think, I think we're doing better. Point 14. Only a new socioeconomic course based on the principles of social justice, equality of all before the law, the protection of national interests of Russians as a nation-forming nation, I don't know what that means, as well as other indigenous peoples of the country, which basically have Russians have colonized and treated them as, you know, total scum and sent off to die, but, you know, they, they want to pay lip service to that and they don't care about the situation as long as Russia controls territories, whatever. <clears throat> only this will enable us not to only the adequately meet the challenges we face, but also to make the country healthier by taking it to a qualitatively new level of development. I mean, here, Girkin's guys have probably learned some uh, middle-level management speak, which, you know, as we all know from all our quality improvement meetings that we've all participated in multiple times, totally works and is not complete bullshit. It's gonna end soon, don't worry, guys. Fifteen. 
representing a significant part of the citizens of the Russian Federation, united by the common idea of defending the homeland. I mean, you're defending the homeland, but your mission is to destroy Ukraine. F fine, guys, whatever. I I'm not even asking logics from you. And the need to change the former political and economic course det detrimental to the country in full compliance with the constitution of the Russian Federation. Uh, which one? The one that Putin changed or the one pre previously or the one of the 1991? Which constitution? Well, you might be talking about Stalin's constitution there as well because, you know, your own czar never gave a constitution, so... Uh, uh, carrying on. And the current legislation, we declare our right to participate in an open, honest and competitive political struggle and our intention to claim political power. And this is where, you know, they started flying out of windows, as it should be. The Club of Angry Patriots clearly declares that state power must serve the interests of Russia and the people and not vice versa. Well, it does serve interests of people, just, you know, some people. For example, Putin's interests are very well served. I do not understand what they're complaining about. Point 16. <clears throat> At the same time, the... the the Club of Angry Patriots understands that the authorities of the Russian Federation will not continue to heed the voice of reason and will continue to hope for an unattainable compromise with their enemies. Consequently, we will prepare for the worst possible development of the situation, in which the indecision, weakness, and unprofessionalism of the authorities will lead the country to a new military defeats and, uh, well, smuta, the time of troubles. In this case, the strategic goals of the, of the Club of Angry Patriots will not change. The restoration and development of Russian statehood, implementation of a new socio-economic course, and here I can add maybe someone that actually pays the soldiers, but you know, can't really rely on that one. Industrialization, industrial development and import substitution as well as the development of new technologies. Yeah, guys, development of new technologies together with massive industrialization. I can clearly see that Mikhail Kalashnikov, sorry, Maxim Kalashnikov wrote all this because uh, he presents to be so uh, kind of a futurologist and knows something, but he actually hasn't read economics beyond, like, I don't know, ninth, 12th grade course. Well, then again, his audience are total idiots, therefore, you know, they'll buy anything he says because, you know, he thinks that uh, in full industrialization the future lies in... You know, it's totally it's totally known that in super industrial countries like China or Vietnam, where all the industries are being set and everything's being manufactured, there's totally a lots of uh, you know R and D being done. It's not about you know the global markets and the economical subsystems and everything. No, no, no. It's Vietnam where all the factories are, or China as it used to be, where the development came and it wasn't totally because Chinese copied copied everything and stole everything. No, no, no. Original R and D thefts, not Bell Labs, no, not like CERN. No, no, no. Those things are the past. But who am I? Who am I to judge these mighty club of angry patriots? All I can do is like you know sue them for money. And, f and finally, placing the state at the service of interests of the whole society. And then uh, point seventeen, the final point of this thing is: in this capacity, the club of angry patriots is ready to take on the role of a platform to unite all patriotically minded citizens of Russia. Join us. Well, you know, but if you do, please pay me the licensing fees because I'm not gonna let through. Now. Now, to put this all, the whole thing in perspective, we have a mess at the front, we have a mess in the internal things, there are no deals that can be made, uh, the, the kind of guys who position themselves as being able to win the war for Russia and being authoritative, well, they get complaints that no one's even getting paid at the front lines, which definitely helps morale, and these guys publish their own political resolution, which claims contradictive things to their own things that they're saying, uh, and is totally fascist in nature, yet they claim everyone else is a fascist, and, and they're also just going insane with the power that they have, because if you've seen the picture that I posted with Girkin meeting his friends, it looked like some sort of failed 80s, 80s punk band, or a, um, one of the first scenes of a gay porno movie, in which, you know, maybe Igor, Igor Ivanovich Strelkov or Girkin would not take the lead um, money shot role, so to speak.
Oh man, it's a mess. And, uh, well, if all this mess is gonna continue, well, we can only hope that the pushes that have been happening in the Bahul direction and others will be, progr- will be good for Ukraine. In the meantime, thank you all for, for listening. As always, the Sudanya Tavarish. And please, if you want to help out the show, well, go to our homepage, theeasternborder.lv, and click the donate button there. We also have a Bitcoin wallet and Ethereum wallet there. Or please consider becoming our patron on patreon.com slash theeasternborder. And join our Discord. You'll find the links everywhere. I'm pretty sure that a lot of people, you know, who are already on the Discord will spread them around as well. But, uh, yeah, this has been a weird day, weird weekend, and weird many hours for me. Up until next time. And as always, remember, happiness is mandatory.